Welcome to the Good Ship Illustration Podcast. We're here to offer no-nonsense advice for illustrators and image makers navigating a creative career. Our course, Find Your Creative Voice, Fly Your Freak Flag, is opening its doors again at the end of October, early November. So this podcast is for answering your questions, we'll be interviewing our artists and just giving advice. I like how Tanya calls us the three bears of the illustration industry. So we're each from a different era and area of illustration and we have over 60 years experience between us. So in today's podcast, we're going to be sharing with you the essential materials that every illustrator needs. So let's start by talking about why the good ship hate art materials so much. (laughs) (laughs) So we don't really hate art materials, do we? But we just think that by concentrating too much on what specific materials you need it can be a big distraction definitely um it's a bit like getting the the cart before the horse and we're big believers in starting where you are using what you have and not getting too caught up in finding like the perfect art materials because guess what there aren't any and also there's less pressure if you don't have lots of fancy stuff around you because if you think you've spent a fortune in the art supplies shop you want your money's worth out of them and that already puts too much pressure on you to create something great with them. So why not start with something a little bit rubbishy um, and then there's no pressure and you'll probably have a much better outcome. I sometimes yeah. a, a very nice relative will buy me a very expensive sketchbook with a leather bound cover or something for Christmas and I can't, I can't work in them. I have to give them away because the pressure of using a leather bound sketchbook is just too much. Yeah, I always looked to those and thought the same. The the M word, I couldn't I couldn't draw in one of those. And eventually we figured out that using bits of old paper is actually some of the best drawings happen on the backs of old bills and uh outside of sketchbooks. So we do have a fondness for getting a bulldog clip and a load of paper and working on those. Yeah, printer paper is always a favourite because it it feels kind of throwaway. So the like you say, there's no pressure. You can just get out and draw. And you're not putting all this, it's got to be amazing because the paper cost £5 a sheet. And if I do it wrong, it's going to be terrible. Yeah, when I used to go life drawing, before life drawing, we used to nip into the little shop in the art school and equip ourselves with all the paper and materials we'd need. And I always just bought newsprint and took a bottle of ink or some charcoal because it meant I could do 100 drawings. And if loads of them were rubbish, it didn't matter because newsprint was like 3p each. I think newsprint is is the the god of great art materials because that's where that's where all the process happens, doesn't it? And there's no pressure. And some of the best work in old portfolios, you pull it out and it's on old newsprint. It's barely still living, you know. All wrinkled paper. It looks like it's about to fall apart. But that environment of um, no pressure does create the best work. The other yeah. thing is that if you have a huge bag full of all sorts of equipment if you're going to go out drawing. You, you can end up throwing everything at the picture and ruining it. But if you have one or two really lovely pieces of equipment, like a soft graphite stick and um, one tube of paint, you can do the most amazing drawing because everything hangs together. It all knits together better than just throwing everything at the sketchbook. That's so true. If you've done our free audio guide, The Sketchbooker's Friend, You'll know that we say like grab two materials and just use whatever you've got, like the back of an envelope or some old paper. And that's such a good way to just get started and get out of your own way. The, the other yeah, good no. thing is, even though you don't need 
really expensive equipment, it's handy to remember a few small things like if you're going to go on a train journey and draw, then a tiny little notebook in your pocket is handy. It's really useful for that. And if you're going to go and draw out in the wilds in a field or something or, you know, wherever, harbour or whatever, then a massive sketchbook is lovely because you can lay it on the floor and kneel down beside it and spread your art materials out around. So, you you know, you can make the make the equipment fit where you are, where you're going to draw. Some people will go out with a drawing board, won't they? You know, maybe not an A1 size, but we used to do that at college, didn't we? You'd take a drawing board, bulldog clip, a pile of paper to it. And that would be a good way to work outside as well. Yeah, we used to do that at the zoo. Do you remember, Tanya, at Glasgow School of Art? There'd always be a few of us going to the zoo with a big board and a bag on our back. It was brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) So jealous. I want to go to the zoo now. (laughs) I could really do with a bit of that that art school environment again it was so good just to go out with piles of equipment and say this whole day is based around drawing and you've got your best colors with you and your best brushes um just draw but not for a client or anything yes exactly drawing for your own fun every time i walk out the front door with the dog here i go past our amazing allotments and think i wish i didn't have to get back in half an hour to start work so i just want to sit at the top of the allotments and draw yeah they're gorgeous those allotments yeah That'd be. I think that could be our um our field trip allotment drawing day. So we had an, another question that comes in is: Do I need the best quality art materials to be a proper? I'm using air quotes. A proper illustrator. So short answer is no. Uh, don't let worrying about the perfect material choice hold you back. But then also, it's Tanya is um Tanya's heavily into a good pigments. So when we were talking about this, she was like, no, you can't buy some nice things. So it's definitely worth investing in some good colour. Not every colour. You don't have to have the full set. Just a few things you really like, because it goes back to limitations again. Limit yourself to a few good colours and buy a quality pigment. Because uh, sometimes when you look at stuff that's been done in children's paint equipment or children's coloured pencils, there's no vibrancy to the colour at all. Um, and that just depresses you because you spend a lot of time with poor, poor quality colour and you don't get, you know, you don't get the inspiration out of it. You don't get the end results you need. So, yeah, buy some good, um, good quality pigments for whatever medium you work in, whether it's watercolour, inks, acrylics, coloured pencils or pastels. Yeah, just I agree few- with that. When, I, when I'm illustrating one of my picture books, I have like a few paints that I really love. And so I'll buy the cheap versions of some pigments because they're the kind of the same right across the board. So it doesn't matter what quality they are. But there are a few colours, like there's a really beautiful magenta that I love. And I'll spend a lot of money on that particular colour because the pigment is so incredible. It's worth it. Um, So, yeah, I'll have maybe use better quality paper if it's a illustration for a book because I don't want the paper to wrinkle because then the print the publisher can't scan it very easily so I'll use good paper some good pigments some cheaper watercolor but then I might use a stick to draw with but that's a choice as well I love a stick it's really valuable to me but obviously it doesn't cost anything to buy it so you know having the right equipment doesn't necessarily mean the most expensive equipment exactly that's what I was going to say like there's no actual direct correlation between spending loads of money and having amazing materials 
like fair enough some expensive materials are amazing but there's things like you know those um the certain brand coloring pens that you get for children that are think thick and chunky and the colors are really bright and intense and like there's those helen bought those cheap um paint sticks and they're yeah. they're amazing it's like you get a such a beautiful texture but they're I don't know, what were like three pound a packet or something? Yeah. We got addicted to bingo dabbers at Art Club, didn't we? Bingo dabbers are so good. Yeah. The pigment in them is really lovely. So, yeah, it's finding the right equipment. You might have something that's free. Like, I like toilet roll. I really like to dip toilet roll in paint and squish it across the page. (laughs) But I might use a really expensive pigment and put it on with the toilet roll. So, I think the other thing as well... If, if, you, if you're short on stuff and you haven't got the equipment, like at the beginning of COVID where people couldn't get paper or paints you just and you ran out of what you had, quite often being forced to make do with a bit of old emulsion paint and a charcoal stick or whatever, just two things can really bring out new things in your work. You know, you get really surprising results because you're out of your usual comfort zone and you move away from your own cliches and you come up with something totally unexpected and inspiring through lack of equipment so it can really enhance your work definitely i think there's something to be said as well for like if you can use the cheap materials that you just have lying around and make them work when you do get your hands on something expensive and fancy you're like oh my goodness this is amazing like there's some pencils that i kept seeing everywhere and then when i finally bought them i was like i can see why this pencil was so expensive because it's like the most glorious pencils at my guilty pleasure now to buy this brand of pencil. But when I was just using school pencils, HB and 2B, it was good practice and I wasn't worried about wasting the lead and I didn't mind sharpening it all the time. Yeah, I think um, brushes as well. If you just have one or two good brushes and keep your your burnt out old ones that are almost stumps, they make great marks in and of themselves. Just you know, an old hog hair brush, that school quality brush can make some really good marks and then keep a couple of good maybe not I usually use the nylon ones I haven't bought the proper fine watercolor brushes but I used to use a lot of um, Chinese brushes as well and they're very cheap you can get them um, in huge sizes and they're still very affordable so you don't need the best stuff just be a bit resourceful I also love a run out felt tip pen so I have a big bag full of felt pens and some of them are professional some of them are kids felt pens some of them have got loads of pigment and work really well, flood the paper, they're lovely. And others of them have run out, others have run out. And they're great because you get a completely different texture and you might need that in the background of a picture. You might want something kind of textured and light. So a run out felt pen is brilliant. Yeah, never throw out your run out pens because you might need them. <laughs> what about digital equipment? Because we all work differently, don't we? I mean, it would probably be quite good to say what our most essential bit of equipment is and, and how how we use them. Is, um, Helen's famous for having the oldest scanner amongst us all. Yeah, we all compete, but H- Helen's winning. I think I have the oldest scanner in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I bought it 21 years ago and it's still going strong. So if I work completely um, by hand on watercolour paper, when I've finished the artwork for the book, I send it off to the publisher and they send it off to... I think China to be scanned I can't remember but they send it a long way away to be scanned professionally where if I am working part digitally so some books that I work on I'll work by hand on a piece of paper and scan it in and build up layers on I used to use a photoshop I use affinity now 
um, then I just use my 21-year-old scanner and that artwork goes to the publisher and they print that and that's fine. So, yeah, you definitely don't need state-of-the-art equipment. But some of the stuff that's been printed in books, in, in your books, Helen, has been scanned by your 21-year-old scanner. Is that right? It's only A4 and my books are obviously much bigger than A4, so I have to patch the scans together. It's just amazing. It must have been like the most solidly built scanner of 21 years ago. I've dropped it about three times. I had massive clatter on the floor, on the wooden floor. Pick it up, plug it back in, it still goes. What about you, Katie? What's your digital setup and what do you use? I've just upgraded to a new iPad, but until like literally weeks ago, I was using a second-hand iPad Pro from like 2016 and I loved it. And I, I, I buy all my digital stuff second-hand because I'm tight and because it's cheaper. <laughs> um, so, but I found that it always works just as well. And you say like it's sometimes half the price. Um, so adopt, don't shop is my advice. Um, but yeah, I work directly into my iPad. Like if I'm live illustrating, so I'll be watching the webinar or the whatever and drawing straight away. And then as soon as it's finished, the the webinar's finished. I'll save the image and then airdrop it to myself. And then I can send the image file and I'll airdrop the video and then compress it and send it to the client. And that is one thing, like having everything on Apple or like just choosing one system, it really saves so much time because being able to airdrop stuff to myself saves actual hours. Because I used to, before everything was Apple, I would like save it into an email and then email it to myself and then blah, blah, blah. So it's like putting a value on saving loads of time and making it really easy your description of your old self is my present self. <laughs> no, stop emailing yourself. Clogs up your emails as well. Makes the email box sad. Well, I've I've now used AirDrop more frequently. So That's good. Yeah, I've got with the program. Tell us about your process, Tanya. Do you use a scanner or do you photograph your sketches? How do you work? I used to scan my sketches in, but then it got so complicated. So now I just... Um, I've take a shot of them on my phone, airdrop them to myself because I can do that much quicker and then put them, composite lots of sketches together on one sheet. Um, and then I import them into Photoshop and I draw above them, sort of a, effectively trace above them with um, usually Illustrator pen tools or Photoshop pen tools and then draw with um, digital brushes on top of that. It must be a lot yeah. quicker doing photos. Just snap a quick picture and then put it in. Yeah, the photos is so much quicker. I've almost the scan. If you're doing that with lots of images, the scanning each time just takes so long, and then you start trying to refine the pencil drawing because it looks too greyed out or too shadowy. So yeah, the 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 phone is much better and has sped up my process so much more. Oh, hail technology! Oh yeah, and I forgot to say, there's of course there's a Wacom in there as well, a very ancient old. Wacom tablet and Wacom pen. I think the the nib is almost blunt on it. Is the pad all like scratched up from when you've been drawing for years as well? Yeah, exactly. If you run your finger over it, it feels like a, a some vinyl with a bit of a scratch on it. But yeah, that's what I that's what I couldn't do without is the the Wacom pen and the and the pad. I've used that for probably the past twenty twenty. Yeah, I'd say about twenty years. I've used Wacom for, and that would be my number one Photoshop and Wacom. So it's interesting, isn't it? You like we all have a mixture of stuff that works for us. And I think Tanya, you were saying earlier that we all find these kind of we cobble together these ways of working that work for us. 
and we have no idea what anybody else is doing in their house when they're at work but we all just find what works for us and sometimes it's a brand new iPad and then an ancient 21 year old scanner and a until about a month ago I had a mouse with a you know, with a cable that attached to the computer. And I'd had that as long as the scanner. Didn't you say that you drew with your mouse? No, I never actually drew with it. I would use it for building up layers on Photoshop and altering layers and stuff. But I ne- I actually never, ever draw onto a screen because I really love a dip pen or a stick and I just there's nothing mm. to beat it. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing as well that we were saying, Katie's, I don't know whether that it's fair to say that, but Katie seems the most techie amongst us. But it was really interesting when we all got together and talked about our process because it's sometimes a bit embarrassing when you think, I don't really know how people do this professionally, but this method seems to work. It's a bit like the way I used to do long division. It wasn't like it wasn't anything like the way the maths teacher told us, but I could usually get the right answer. And I think it's the same with tech. And when I found out how that we all worked in quite a similar way, or we had a similar rationale to getting to our, our end product, it was such a relief to be able to talk about process. I would have been too embarrassed to talk about it a few years ago, thinking I'm sure I've got all this wrong. But it, it yeah. does, yeah, it it gets your work out at the end of your own kind of personal roundabout process. Yeah. It took me ages to figure out like file types and stuff. Like we t- we got taught at uni like how to save the right file type and what compression it should be and blah blah blah. And for years after uni, I'd save stuff and it'd be pixelated. And I'd be like, I have no idea why that's happened. I don't really know what I'm doing. And it's I'm st- still not a hundred percent sure all the time. But like I think now there's so many more YouTube tutorials where you can be like, what are the settings that I need before I start this piece of work? Um. But yeah, it's always that like feeling too embarrassed to ask because you're like, I should know this. Yeah, the world of YouTube and, and video tutorials is such a blessing. They used to be quite thin on the ground and then you'd always have to go into the Adobe page as well, which would just be like trawling through a huge library. You just think, just show me on the screen how to do it. It's thanks to all those brilliant YouTube tutorials that I decided to quit Photoshop and move over to Affinity because I was so fed up of being tied to Photoshop with their monthly fees and uh and an affinity is so much cheap this sounds like an advert for affinity it's not because I loved photoshop and used it for years and years and years but um yeah I switched over to affinity and just learned it really quickly because of all the brilliant youtube tutorials it's brilliant love affinity I'm inspired you made me want to jump off the adobe wagon <laughs> onto the affinity one I think yeah, it was inspiring too because you you know you use tech a lot in your work, Helen. But the fact that you mostly you drew and then and didn't want to do too much digital stuff to interfere with the quality of the image, and then you jumped into Affinity that quickly and were working away on an entire book. And I was like, wow, it must be doable. Along with some some of the other softwares you use, what were the other softwares? That- I actually just use Affinity for the for the new picture book I'm working on. So I do all the work by hand on pieces of paper and scan it in and layer it up on Affinity. It's really intuitive. It's just so similar to Photoshop. It I've just learnt it on the job. It's very easy. Well, thank you for listening. That's all for today. We're always quite awkward at saying bye, but before we say our awkward goodbyes wanted to let you know that our course find your creative voice fly your freak flag is open in its doors on the 30th of october 2020 we keep the doors open for one week and then we close them we'll open the doors at art club so we have mm. art club on the 30th which is on live on instagram at eight o'clock uk time 
and we'll open the doors during that arc. See you there. Bye.